When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Final hour of the Wednesday edition of the program. Hope you guys are having a fantastic time. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure that you don't miss a single moment. Just finished lunch. Running upstairs, Buck. I'm almost out of breath. We have got Senator Marsha Blackburn with us now. Senator, so much going on. Thanks for taking the time for us here. And I want to start with this question. What have you heard, if anything, from Joe Manchin? A lot of breaking news as we started the show that he may not be supporting the Build Back Better bill or even voting to allow it to come to the floor. Have you heard anything today about those details? What we are hearing is that he does not want this to come forward, and I call this a Build Back Broke because that's what we're all going to be if they pass this thing. He has some serious concerns about several provisions in the bill. And, you know, it's not only Manchin and Cinema, but you've got some other Democrats that have tough races this year, and they have a lot of serious concerns about this bill. And, of course, the bill would double the cost of child care for a lot of uh, working families. Uh, in essence, what they're trying to do is take one vote, and in that one vote. They want the government to take control of your children, take control of education, of your bank account, of your small business. They want to be able to change election law and uh, implement the Green New Deal. They're just trying to roll it all into this bill. But the more people know about Build Back Broke, the less they like it because they're realizing you would have 10 years of taxes and it would pay for one year of programs that they're putting on the books. The taxes are going to be permanent. The programs are going to be permanent. And the CBO says if you make that assumption that these programs remain on the books for the 10-year life of this legislation, that you are going to have a minimum of three 
trillion dollars in new debt, three trillion, and that it's not a 1.75 trillion bill, it's actually a five trillion dollar bill. Senator Blackburn, it's Buck. I, I just am wondering about the your expectations for the political uh, fallout from this, and, and well, how how it will go in 2022. Is Manchin possibly going to, in your in your opinion, I'm sure you know Senator Manchin well. Is he going to hold the line on this entirely, meaning there may not even be a build back broke, as you put it, bill passed at all? Or is your expectation that something will be passed that they'll put under that headline of the BBB? It just will be a dramatically scaled down version and that Manchin would vote for. What are your expectations? Well, the window is going to run out on this budget reconciliation. And with that happening, I think what may be more likely is that they will, uh, after the window closes on reconciliation, they're going to have to divide this bill up and try to pass these things one at a time. Now, getting Democrats in the House and the Senate on the record on these different pieces of legislation, that is a really good thing for us in the 22 midterms. Yeah, that, that is what I was going to build on, uh, Senator Blackburn. What is your expectation for what the Senate calendar might look like for 2022 as we get closer to the midterms? Will you guys basically shut things down, do you think, in the summer? What what should we anticipate in terms of what could come out of Capitol Hill and what could get passed or not passed as we move closer and closer to the midterms? You know, Clay, one of the things they're going to focus on is trying to put judges on the bench and put people into the federal government, get some of these executive appointments, as they are called, people that are running Department of State, Department of Commerce, some of their leftists, so that they can change the rules in a lot of these different departments. So that is going to be a big part of their focus. And, of course, they want to pack the court because if you're going to get liberal leftist decisions out of the court, you've got to put some liberal leftist judges. So moderate Democrat judges who are at retirement age, they are basically telling these judges you vacate your position and let us put a young activist in your place so that they're going to be on the bench for the next 30 years. We're speaking to Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator, how do you think we're shaping up for possible Republican Senate control being reestablished next fall? What do you see as the primary? I mean, if you, you are going to be obviously a part of, of the messaging on this. What do you think should be the focus, and how well is the GOP positioned? I think the GOP is positioned very well. We've got a lot of security moms out there. The immigration and border issues are at the top of their list. They don't like crime in the streets. They don't like gangs. They're tired of defund the police. They don't like what is happening with COVID and mandates and the way their children are being taught in school. They are tired of inflation and out-of-control spending. Every bit of that bodes well for us. And when you put all of that in place, and then as the domestic issues, and then you look at these foreign policy 
issues. Uh, we just today have passed the Defense Authorization Act to fund the military. It's the latest we've ever been in getting that passed. And, of course, Joe Biden wanted to cut spending to the military. And then you have the debacle in Afghanistan. You have China on the rise. Look at the bad actions by the Chinese Communist Party. You have Russia conducting a buildup on the Ukrainian border. And you have all this destabilization on the global front. So their domestic agenda, they're upside down. Uh, Jen Psaki yesterday could not even name one foreign policy achievement of the president. And, of course, he kept saying, oh, you know, these are all my old buddies, old friends. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to put us back on the on the right track. You know, they love me, man. And that was the way he went through the campaign. And it is just not true. And people are looking at this and they're astounded whether it is Iran and Israel or Afghanistan or China or Russia or Ukraine. They're looking at the mess that this administration has made and they're saying, all right, we tried it. It doesn't work. Senator Blackburn, one of the things that's got Buck and I both super fired up is the disaster at the border. I know you've paid a lot of attention to it. It's not just the disaster at our southern border. It's that while Joe Biden is trying to mandate vaccines for American citizens, they're letting people just come across our border with no covid testing hardly going on at all. Of all the things that Biden has done wrong, and there's certainly a lot of them, it seems that the American public is rating right now the border as the worst of them. Can it get better? What are you seeing from your perspective? Oh, my goodness. I hear about the border everywhere I go. And, Clay, you're exactly right. This is what people are talking about because when you look at the fact we're going to have 2 million individuals from probably 160 different countries that will have illegally entered this country and then have been processed into the United States. Now, then you're going to have somewhere between a half million and one and a half million of people that are the gotaways. Many of these people are coming from countries that have incredibly low vaccine rates like 1% or 2% of the population has been vaccinated. You have Omicron strain of coronavirus that is now on the march. And people are going, wait a minute, we've got crime in the street. We've got human traffic and sex trafficking like we have never had. You have all of these smash and grab crimes carried out. You have... um, grandmothers going to the local mall during the daytime and then you have somebody when they're heading to their car trying to grab their packages in their purse and people are going wait a minute we've never had crime like this and then you know what they're finding out a lot of this is done by gangs it's carried out by gangs and uh, it is making our communities less safe it hurts our economy It hurts individuals. And so people are looking very closely at what is happening. They're also looking at the health issues, the spread of coronavirus and other 
uh, infections and diseases. They're looking at the impact on their community of individuals that are coming into these. They're looking at what is happening with human trafficking and how these traffickers are beginning to use social media to actually recruit people to work as drug traffickers and sex traffickers. So uh, they're just, uh, these issues all find a connection to the border and to illegal immigration. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator, always appreciate you coming by to hang with us. Thanks so much. Good talking to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Indeed. Have a good Christmas. This holiday season, the Tunnel of Towers Foundation is accomplishing something truly significant. They're making this season brighter for our nation's gold star and fallen first responder families with young children. For many of these families, the holidays are a tough reminder of the sacrifice their hero made for us. The foundation is giving away more homes every day, starting back on Thanksgiving and continuing until New Year's Eve. This is their season of hope. With each mortgage-free home awarded, the foundation is delivering on its promise to do good and never forget. For some of these families, they have the comfort of knowing they can stay in the home that they picked with their loved one, the home where they made precious holiday memories. For families in a new home, they're creating memories they'll cherish forever. And all of this is possible because of your generosity. Support America's greatest heroes and their families. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I 
detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. What was Joe Biden's biggest foreign policy accomplishment this year? Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. We ask real questions and give you real answers, which separates us from about 90, 95% of the rest of the media. Um, but we will continue to do so. So what is Joe Biden's big foreign policy accomplishment? Remember, foreign policy for the Democrat snob types is the area where they think because, you know, they they studied uh French in college or something. They think they're very worldly. You know, they took that semester abroad in oh, Italy, yeah. which all my friends who did it will tell you was great fun, but you're basically just eating a lot of panini and going out to the discotheque at night. It doesn't necessarily mean... <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, got, I got nothing but love for that if you want to do it, but I'm just saying it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're a, a scholar of global affairs necessarily. But the libs think of themselves, uh, think of themselves, especially in policy circles, as particularly elite on foreign policy, right? So much better than Donald Trump, who was, oh gosh, yeah, didn't get us in any wars, did he? Didn't get us in any wars. Didn't actually have a foreign policy catastrophe. Not one in four years. Not one. Here's Joe Biden uh, in year one, where we can't even think of what would be the upside of his foreign policy. And Jen Psaki was asked, here's what she said. It's year and season. So I would ask you, what does the administration consider your biggest achievement in foreign policy in this first year? And also, what lessons have you learned from what is arguably the biggest failure, which is Afghanistan? Uh, you know, this is a great question. I want to be thoughtful about it. I want to talk to the president about it. Um, and I'm happy to do that. <laughs> now look wow it is not fun <laughs> wow. not fair rather it is fun it is not fair to make fun of jen Psaki on this because clay she's asked an impossible question right that, how, that how do you impossible. answer this because oh, biden's such... a loser anybody who has ever been in school and gotten called on and we need to hear that again gotten called that's first of all a fantastic question i don't know who asked that question but it's also by the way not an inconceivable question to prep for, right? Like, end of the year, hey, how would you assess the first year? What are you proud of? Now, she specifically asked about foreign policy, but it was like you could see Jen Psaki just freeze up like her brain, like, oh, my God, we don't have any foreign policy achievements. And it reminds me a couple of times when I was in law school, Buck, you know, you have the Socratic method uh, where the teacher, for people who haven't experienced this, the teacher in the law school classroom just picks one student and grills them on a case. And if you haven't read that case, if you aren't prepared for that case, it is excruciating to watch somebody just get filleted in front of the whole class. That's the kind of answer you got when you hadn't read the case and hadn't done your homework. It's remarkable. It's also noteworthy that we're here with Russia having over 100,000 troops on the border with Ukraine. And what I want to make sure everyone knows about this, because you're certainly not going to hear this from the uh, the Biden lackeys in the media. There's a there's a very clear pattern here, my friends. When there is a left wing Democrat as president, Barack Obama, for example, Russia feels like it has, despite all the Russia Russia stuff we heard under Trump. When did Russia seize Crimea? When did Russia begin its offensive of separatists in the Donbas region of eastern Ukraine? 2014. The Obama administration. And then things got real quiet for a while with with Trump in office. I know that he was the Russian stooge, but we actually had 
about 150 or so Russian paramilitaries blown up in the Syrian desert. You don't hear much about that anymore. When they were threatening our Kurdish allies, that was under Trump. You had more sanctions, more expulsions, more diplomatic pressure on Russia than ever before. That was under Trump. But just to bring it back here now, they're getting ready to go into Ukraine under a Biden administration. And they're already they have been at war in Ukraine since 2014. They seized Crimea. They're at war in Donbass. So this would just be an escalation. Clay, almost like they think Democrats don't have much in the way of diplomat. Never mind military acumen, but uh, diplomatic teeth. Well, first of all, that was an amazing analysis of current foreign policy with Russia and the past couple of presidents. But I'm still kind of laughing about that Jen Psaki answer. What what actually is their best foreign policy achievement? If she had to spin it, what this, do you think the answer this is, is? You know, you and I do a lot of talking for a living, right? If I'm put there, if they were going to say they're going to say, Buck, you know, we'll, we'll give you a million dollars just to answer this question. I could probably I, I might say something about. Uh, Paris, you know, climate Accords. in the future, yeah. something, something, you know, yada, yada. But there's nothing. There's nothing. And you would think that the, the, the pivot, I think, would usually be we've put in place the beginnings of the. But there there is no Biden doctrine. It's it's such a fantastic. I, I think probably what I would spin is we stood up to China and we aren't taking uh we aren't going to have diplomatic relations for the Olympics. Wait a second, we're we're continuing the Trump policies in China <laughs> I that was supposed to start a trade I know. war. Well, you oh, certainly yeah. can't talk about anything having to do with remain in Mexico or Central America. You can't talk about anything Afghanistan. You can't talk about anything Russia as you just laid out. The the only thing I can even think of is the China angle. Now you might be able to she probably should have just gone back to the answer for every subject. Democrats say everything is racist, which doesn't apply very well in foreign affairs, uh, because arguably their biggest foreign affairs move was banning travel to Africa, which was called racist. I think they have to just go with global warming and just yeah. try to claim they did something there. I think you're right. Global warming, scream something about racism, and next question, the Jen Psaki yeah. story. Still thinking about what to buy someone for Christmas? Well, I've got my list, and I'm checking it twice, and it's got a lot of Tommy John loungewear, underwear, pajamas, T-shirts. I love this gear. I really do. I wear it every day now. It's the most comfortable stuff I own. When you got Tommy John, you're going to feel better every day. They've got a soft tri-blend micromodal fabrics. That means four-way stretch. With over 17 million pairs sold, giving the gift of Tommy John underwear, loungewear, all the rest of their apparel has become a tradition for families across the country. Right now, you'll get 25% off site-wide, plus free shipping at TommyJohn.com slash buck. That's TommyJohn.com slash buck. 25% off site-wide, plus free shipping. Order now so your gifts arrive before the holidays. See site for details. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you are having an outstanding Wednesday. We earlier in the show shared Joe Biden, and I don't even... Do you think they just flipped in the wrong teleprompter for Biden, Buck, that he suddenly was like, hey, we don't have a... Pan we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated, like it was still June or July? Like, I... It's so antiquated. By the way, we talked with Alex Berenson. Encourage you to check him out uh, on the podcast, Top of Hour 2. We also talked with Senator Marsha Blackburn. But it's so antiquated in terms of the data that it's a direct lie, effectively. And here's another lie. So the CBO buck, 
you know, we talked about this yesterday, Congressional Budget Office, nonpartisan, not Democrats, not Republicans. They came out and they said, hey, what's the 10-year cost of this Build Back Better bill? Which, by the way, it appears Joe Manchin is not going to support. It is dead at least for this year. We'll see what happens at the start of 2022. Uh, but we said, uh, the, 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 uh, I think it was Lindsey Graham, a Republican senator from South Carolina, said, hey, what's the overall cost here? Let's presume that all of these uh, all of these provisions being voted on are not sunset. What's the overall cost? Well, the answer was it would add three trillion dollars, three trillion dollars to our national debt. That didn't stop Joe Biden from going out in Ohio and lying to the American public, Buck. He said it would cost zero. This is what he said yesterday. What do you say to people in the Dayton area, Mr. President, who have expressed concerns about whether trillions more in federal spending will will help when you have inflation at a near 40-year high? The way I say to them, this is not going to cost a single solitary penny. We're not going to increase the deficit by one cent in the Build Back Better plan at all. This is just a lie. I mean, a direct lie. And, And beyond that, it's so apparent that the, the Democrats do this on, on a whole range of issues. They won't even tell you what the real trade off of their decision making will be. Right. You, you can do this with with any number of things. Criminal justice reform. OK, well, you might let some people out a little bit earlier, a little bit sooner for because of the bail reform law, for example. Um, but if you if this spreads the whole system, you're going to ha- also have more crime, more people getting hurt, more people being attacked. They don't look at cause and effect and speak about it honestly on the economy. What could be more clear than, first of all, there's no way they're not going to have tax increases along with this that go far beyond. This is the oldest trick in the book, right? We've seen this how many times in, in everyone listening to this uh, living memory. The Democrats say it'll just be the rich who pay for it. That's not actually how it works. But beyond that, that it won't add anything. We're talking about trillions of dollars of spending, and that goes in addition to the what is it now? Three and change trillion a year. The federal government's currently spending. I think it's pretty close to four. And so that is just a function of math. But they lie. They lie to people. They say it won't cost a penny. They say it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They say that they want a secure border, that they never said defund the police. These are things that affect people, too. Right. Donald Trump saying that he has the best hair in the history of the world, which, you know, maybe. I mean, the guy's got great hair. Let's show respect where it's due. But they used to say, oh, my gosh, he's lying. He doesn't. There's no data. There's no metrics on Donald Trump's hair being the best. They freaked out about everything Trump said. Meanwhile, they lie big. They lie about stuff that matters to people. Yeah, here's what I would say. It's such a good point. What I would say about Trump's lies were he was bull in a china shop just knocking things over, disrupting so much of the establishment. But Trump got to the right result. He didn't always get there in a flawless fashion, and that's one of the areas where I think he left himself open to so much attack. It created the opportunity to come after him, but his end results were the right place. The difference with Democrats is they lie And the lies are transparent and lead to the wrong result. And we've seen it with crime, defund the police. We've seen it with the border. We've seen it with COVID. We've seen it with inflation. They lie and they get to the wrong result. And so 
it, it is it is really infuriating because we had such a uh, an obsession with Trump. Remember, democracy dies in darkness. They put that at the top of the Washington Post, which I think is it still there? I think it's still there as if they were like some saviors of the world. And then they got so many things wrong. You know, Buck, the Washington Post did a feature on me. I was talking to you about this off the air the other day. This is before we were doing the show. 2,500 words. I talked to them for an hour. They used like 25 of my words in a quote, and the quotes were wrong. I had transcribed it. I put it up on OutKick. There's so much failure and lack of intelligence and just bad motive in journalism. That the idea that these people are the saviors of anything is a joke. And I'm not sure, but can you think of any other profession that praises itself more than journalists? Hollywood, maybe. <laughs> but but Hollywood, they understand like, hey, you know what? We make movies. We're entertainers. Like on some level, I think they understand yeah. that what they do doesn't matter. I can't think of a single profession that praises itself more than journalists. I mean, journalists pretend to be the firefighters of our democracy, you know, putting out the the arson of fascism and tyranny. When what was always fascinating to me about the way they position themselves during the Trump administration is that in authoritarian regimes, everybody, and don't ever forget this, the press is aligned with the government. That's right. What you are seeing now under so Joe true. Biden is what you would have in an authoritarian regime. You know, I was in the CIA and, yeah, I spent time abroad in some countries where bad things were happening. But also a big part of it was studying the history of learning the history of authoritarian regimes. When you have 95 percent of the press against the regime getting richer and more famous and more powerful for not only criticizing, but actively trying to subvert, undermine, and overthrow uh, yeah. by weaponizing the Department of Justice through lies with Russia collusion. That is, my friends, that is not a circumstance you have in an authoritarian system. The authoritarian always... system is the one where everybody with a platform is praising what is which feels more authoritarian under that rubric, under that framework. Pretty sure we all know it's Biden. I used to ask that question all the time. If Trump is such a dictatorial threat, how come everybody is so comfortable calling him a dictator? Yeah. Like in any country where you actually have a dictator, there's not people getting rich by saying, oh, what an awful dictator this guy is, because they get yanked right off the street and put in jail. The people who ripped Trump the most vociferously in the entire country made the most money. That's the exact opposite of a dictatorship. CNN needs Trump. Oh, this is the real. They need him back. What do they do? They're running this January 6th thing all day. It's January 6th, and then, you know, and then CNN's dealing with... And by the way, nobody cares about that. The ratings no. reflect it. Yeah, because what exactly are we... If we were learning new stuff, and as we discussed, they went after people. They released the uh, the, you know, the text messages of, of some Fox hosts showing what was already, for a lot of us, public record and public sentiment, which is everybody on the right, as soon as they realized the riot got... You know, that a riot had started and, and that what was a protest got out of control, said, knock that crap off right away. You're playing right into the left hands. This is illegal. It is disrespectful. Don't do this. Yeah, that's what we do. Go back and look at, you know, former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo during BLM riots saying, hey, where does it say you got to be peaceful, you know, assembly peaceful? And as people pointed out, it actually does say it in the Constitution. But that's a whole other thing, right? They were making excuses 
for riots. Well, they were day mostly in peaceful protests, Buck. What? Oh, that's, mostly they were peaceful mostly protests. peaceful protests. That's that's the moment that everybody that is crystallized it perfectly is when you're standing in front of a burning building and there are gunshots ringing out in the background and you describe it as a mostly peaceful protest. You're being told, and I think this happens all too often. And I think this is why this show is growing. It certainly happens in many left wing stories right now is you're told things that you know are 100% not true. Men should swim against women and compete evenly. No, no, no. That, that, that defeat, no, that doesn't make sense. That's what you're being told. Peaceful protest. January 6th was an insurrection. These are all lies. It's remarkable, folks. And just uh, just to speak the truth these days, uh, borrow from that quote of unknown providence, really, is a revolutionary act. People always say it's Orwell, but it does feel like that these days. Just to speak the truth. Is like your own private revolution of one every day. But that's why we try to do that for all of you and also bring your voices in here on the show and discuss what's really going on. Let's focus on the health of your beloved pooch for a minute. We want our dogs to live for a long time with a healthy life. One part of that is their, dry, is their diet. Dry kibble food is a good and steady thing to feed your dog, but it has to be paired with a healthy supplement if you want your dog's digestive system and health to be its best. You see, all that dry kibble food has to be manufactured in a process that requires it to be sterilized. has to be that way if it's going to sit on a supermarket shelf for months at a time. And when you sterilize the food, you kill any of the live ingredients that help your dog's digestive system. I'm talking about probiotics, enzymes, vitamins, the good microbacteria that living creatures like dogs, like us, that we need. You won't get those in regular dog food. When you add a healthy supplement called Rough Greens to your dog's diet, you add those back in. Just sprinkle Rough Greens over your dog bowl at feeding time, and you'll see a difference in both the health of your dog and your dog's energy. Rough Greens makes your dog healthier by making the dog food better. It's that simple. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love Rough Greens, they have a special deal for you. Go to roughgreens.com slash EIB, and they're going to give you the first bag free. All you pay is shipping. That's roughgreens.com slash EIB, roughgreens.com slash EIB. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time, with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Closing up shop today on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Got something interesting to share with you though in a second. So don't think that we're just going to ride off quietly here in the uh, late afternoon. Um, but I just want to say, if you missed any part of the show today, great interview with Alex Berenson. We we really want to set an all-time record for podcasts in December, even though we're going to have a little bit of a short month because we'll be on holiday at the end of the month. Um, but that just means that we need all of you listening to subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. It's so easy. And once you get in that habit, too, you can always listen on demand. So uh, listen on our great affiliates all across the country. But if you miss a segment, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. Um, so here is it, it, it just I, I just honestly thought this was really interesting. I want to have Clay react to it and uh, we could talk about it a little bit because you often hear America is such a racist country. And yes, tomorrow we've already we've already put a. Uh, a pin in this topic, so to speak. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the Netflix documentary about uh, Bubba Bubba Wallace, right? Is that the driver's name? Yeah, Bubba Wallace, yeah. the NASCAR, the yeah. noose incident that was alleged that the FBI investigated and found out it was just a pull-down garage rope, for so, those of you who forgot. We'll talk to you because there's all this promo going on right now about that, um, uh, about that Netflix documentary. But, you know, we hear America's, America's such a racist country. You hear this from the left all the time. It's interesting because we like to look at facts and market forces and actual decisions that people make. You know, wh- why do I know that people that spout off about climate change who are super rich and connected don't really mean it? Because they buy beachfront property as fast as they can and the most expensive they possibly can. They, they don't live their lives under the belief that they have. We're supposed to be, according to the left, such a racist country, yet we have not only immigrants who want to come here who are non-white from all over the world, they do very well here. Now, there are two voices on the issue of race in America that I want you to become more familiar with, and we'll have, well, we should invite them on the show, actually. Uh, Jonathan McWhorter, uh, who is a professor at Columbia University, and Glenn Lowry, who's also a professor, I believe, at Brown University. I could be wrong on that. But they're also writers, you know, public intellectuals. I just wanted you to hear, and then, Clay, I wanted you to react to it, this back and forth about how they they essentially are debunking this argument of America is so racist. These are two African-American intellectuals, uh, really fascinating individuals. Play. It's said to be a uh, microaggression to observe that this is the place that people want to actually come. America is supposed to be so racist. How come so many people from non-white ports of origin are risking everything to get here? America is supposed to have no opportunity, according to the Ta-Nehisi Coastals of the world, the American dream is a fraud. Then how come so many people are seeing their lives made so much better and the lives of their children made so much better by being able to participate in this society. And again, the arrow points backwards. How come black people are not themselves seizing these opportunities? Very difficult question 
lot that can be said about it. But white supremacy, that's a childish, foolish, intellectually infantile, but politically convenient response to the question, why are black people not availing ourselves of the same opportunities that people from every quarter of this world who are not Europeans seem to be able to make the best of? This is an interesting, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you can connect the argument to Nigerian immigrants to America outperform on a per capita basis, outperform um, native, uh, native-born white Americans economically in a, by, by household. So if we have a white supremacist society, which is what we're told all the time, how is it that non-white immigrants from all over the world, and we welcome and love them in our American family, of course, how is it they do so well? And we're happy that they do. The, the, the fact that no one who argues that America is systemically racist can defend is this one that I'm about to share with all of you. Asian men are the highest earning, regardless of how long they've been in the country, Asian men are the highest earning ethnic group in the entire country. If white supremacy was the underlying foundation of everything in America, how is it that Asian men many of whom have not been in this country for very long, are dunking all over white, black, and Hispanic men and women. How is that possible in a fundamentally systemically racist country? The defense they'll sometimes give now, which is an utterly ridiculous one, is Asian people don't count as a minority. Yeah, they, That's, they, that's they, the defense that they I've try to I've learned this term recently because they just made it up. That's the thing. Just always remember this. They make up new terms to fit whatever the political need may be. This is the left is constantly doing this. They try to make you use certain terms like undocumented, but they also, which is made up, but they also will make up entirely new con- white adjacent white is adjacent. how the left will refer to Asian yeah. Americans, to which you say, huh? But, you know, this is this is also reflected in the overt racism of elite institutions against Asian Americans, places like Harvard University. When they tell you that they aren't discriminating against Asians in favor of other minority groups, they are lying. And that's why the Supreme Court is looking at this issue. They are lying. And I hope the Supreme Court takes it up. And, Buck, this is also an interesting fact historically. Do you know why the SAT came to exist? Because Jewish people were being discriminated against. It was to create meritocracy and academia. That's right. Yep. That's so that right. Jewish people, instead of just white Anglo Anglo Saxon Protestants from the right family, Did you just say Anglo Saxon. <laughs> yeah, that's old school, right? Wasps. Sa- Anglo Saxon, not Sexton. Sexton's uh, me. Uh, Anglo. Sorry. Yes. Uh, but they tried. They tried to create a system that favored artificially people from a certain background. Now we're tearing down the SAT because the meritocracy is not fair because Asians dominate no. test scores and grades too much. I mean, it's it, it's it's a crazy world. Yeah, life is not fair. You just want a law, a legal system that's as fair as it can be, and then let the chips <laughs> fall where they may. But Anglo-Saxon is really funny, uh, by the way. <laughs> that should be like, your wow. fantasy football name. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't even know how to play fantasy football. Yeah, well, now you got to have it. That's a great team name. You got to do it. Oh, man. We're going to have fun tomorrow, folks. Tune in then. Clay and Bach, over and out. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 